it's Tony Chapman, and welcome to Chatter That Matters. In this age of noise, I cut through the chaos and the confusion to focus on what matters most to your life, your career, your community, and our planet. At the beginning of every podcast, I ask an essential question, and then together, we go on a quest to mine for insights and identify the big ideas that will help you get to where you need to go. I chose to do a a three-part series on something that matters most, and I think to most of us, and that's our health and our family's health. And one of the things I look at as I get older is my mortality. I guess we all do. We're aging. Things feel different. Maybe a friend you lost that you thought should live 25 years longer. You might be dealing with aging parents. Around you, you're, you're, you're getting consumed by the science of, you know, three out of four people will do this and dementia is at a crisis and autism and all the things that are coming at us at this, almost like we're drinking through a fire hose. So the question I have today, it might sound like science fiction to you, but stay with this podcast and then you decide how you'd answer the question, can you reverse the aging process? And joining me is Gun Seek, who's been with me for the last two podcasts. And this is the first time you've heard him. I set Gun up as somebody I've known for over a decade. Uh, he is the smartest person I've ever met. I've had him at dinner parties, and two hours later, uh, it's like minutes have gone by, and people want another 25 hours with this guy. He's just, he just, he's consumed by the human body and the fact that healthcare can be a matter of choice, not chance. That, yes, genetics are there environment is there but there's so much we can do to improve our health he's been declared the world's top trainer he's worked with celebrities olympians some of the top athletes people all over the world come to hear what he has to say and he's only focused on one real subject the human body and what you consume and why it matters Gun, welcome to the uh, third third part of this uh, podcast series. I'm pumped to be here. So, I, you know, that was a big question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you right with it. Can you reverse the aging process? Okay, so some of the didactic precision in that sentence has to be manicured. Reversing the aging process, where let's say someone who's 40 can be dialed back to 18, that science doesn't exist at this juncture. However. Can someone be a 40-year-old person that is functionally, endocrinologically, immunologically, in other words, health-wise on every measurable parameter, like they are 22 years old? Yes, conversely. Can someone be 40 who is like they are 65, 70? Yeah, I meet them all the time. So you can be an old, young person or a young old person but the sum total of the decisions you make over a period of time either create or take away that dynamic of health so talk to me about some of the negative things that we do to be that old young person oh okay partying partying hard uh so um with no names mentioned but i do work with uh, some of the uh, uh people within the entertainment industry and they're known to party hard that's fine what they will do, though, is at the end of the party, a lot of these people will take a, um, an IV cocktail, uh, IV, yes, intravenous, to reverse 
some of the effects of the partying they just did. So, so let's let's unpack that for a second. Why would they do that? Because they fully are fully aware and they know that in doing certain recreational uh, substances and maybe imbibing in a certain amount of uh, alcohol, etc., it's going to have deleterious effects on the body. Like everyone knows that. That being said, though, if they do A, B, and C, they can now turn back some of those decision-making processes on a cellular level. So that's, partying is, uh, everyone knows this from high school. There was always some guy or a group of people that you would bump into them 10 years later and let's, John Doe again, and uh, hey, John, how you doing? Whoa, you're thinking in your head, man, you look like you're, you're 50 and he's 32. So, so there's that effect, partying. Number two, disordered macronutrient ratios or simply stated, junk food. Nothing ages people faster from a gastrointestinal aspect than junk food. Junk food is inflammatory. Junk food strips you of your minerals. Junk food creates an unnatural addiction toward the very junk food. It makes you its own bitch. It calls your name and you serve it. As a slave, junk food is definitely something that will age you quicker. Now, let's uh, let's balance this point. What do you mean by junk food? I had junk food now and then. Okay, so if I had a dollar for every time I heard this answer, I would have a million dollars. How often do you have that junk food? Well, yeah, not very much, gun. Okay, that's vague. Can you be a little more specific? Well, um, and then his wife usually pipes up or someone pipes up and says, okay, um, well, we have uh, three times a week. Okay, so all right, so fine. So 12 times a month, right? 144 times a year, right? You know, I do have people who come here who will have what you just said 144 times a year and they may have it twice. So frequency of insults to the body in terms of junk food will definitely accelerate the aging process. Number three, big one on this, I'm gonna amaze people do this, is any food that calls your name, and I mean strongly calls your name, there's a 99% chance you are allergic to that food. And as a result, if you're allergic to the food, you are going to have certain biological markers that will age you because of that allergenicity. You will have increased inflammation. You will have decreased circulation. You will have definite substandard metabolic rate. You will have food absorption that will be compromised. The list goes on and on. It's like a comedy of biological errors. So that's why whenever I see someone say, I gotta have my my pasta. I said, okay, how often do you have it? 30 days a month. And I'm looking at a guy who literally looks 85 years old and he's 34. So allergenicity always accelerates the aging process. There's no way around it because you're literally, if you really think about it, inflammation being the mother of disease creation, you're actually bringing in the certain markers that are normally associated with old age at an increased rate. So you're telling me that food that I might be allergic to is actually getting in my brain saying to have some. Yes, it, it, it's literally, uh, it's hooking you, it's, it's, it's tethered you in, and it will do it on a regular basis. And I've seen really smart people, like these, this, is, this will go, cut across every strata of the socioeconomic scale. Um, really smart people get angry at me 
when I'm simply as an intention trying to pull them off of food that I can see quite clearly in front of me is degrading their aging rate. It's literally accelerating their aging rate. And here's the other, here's the kicker. For those brave souls who do come off of that product or that that food that they're allergic to, they'll say, wow, I kind of feel sheepish. Why, why, what do you mean? Like, I got to make an apology to you, man. I fought you on this and now I feel like 10 times better and I, I just feel so stupid. No, no, no. You're one of the you're one of the fortunate ones. You actually said no to something that was bringing you down, and good for you. Good for you that you do that. I think that's fantastic. So, uh, I always applaud someone who's willing to apply a certain degree, a modicum of courage, in order to go to the next step. And that being allergenicity and aging is a one to one relationship. And is there anything else that kind of contributes to accelerating that aging process? You yes, can... yes. So uh, everyone has nutritional requirements that are different than even someone within their own family member. So for me, I motor through B vitamins. For someone else, they have a high capacity for zinc. For a third person, they need essential fatty acids. And if they don't get it, all these issues happen. So everyone has idiosyncratic differences with nutritional requirements across the board. The key is to find out what those deficiencies are and the reason why i emphasize that is because all disease period and all aging period can be broken down into two things deficiency and toxicity so if you're experiencing toxicity and or deficiency your cellular matrix the building blocks that create you are not going to be made to the same degree of efficiency that they would be if the raw materials were provided so the next thing i would say is find out what you require as a person and this is pretty straightforward to do and then supply those deficiencies because relying on your diet alone and thinking all of it this is a very persistent idea that's really outmoded it's 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 time has come and gone not all the foods we eat, given the fact that a lot of them look good, but they're genetically modified. A lot of them have uh, small amounts uh, pulled from the soil of the mineral content. And so you will, everyone, I have not found a single person that walks the face of the earth that has their full array of vitamins and minerals sufficiency. Never seen it. So you talk about it's quite easy to find out what you're deficient. And I love this talk. You talk about you know, uh, what you need and what you need to take away. What what kind of advice can you give to people about what to find to make sure that they're, they're arming their body with the right nutrients? Okay, so uh, uh, nutrition defect detective is, is, uh, is a good game to play. And I, I don't say game derogatorily. I mean, with yourself, before you go in a healthcare professional, just start looking at yourself. TCM or traditional Chinese medicine literally has a whole branch of Chinese. And this is, folks, this is thousands of years old where you're to look at the tongue. You're to look at the forehead. You're to look at the cheeks. You're to look at the lips. You're to, you're to look at your color, your pallor. You're to examine your heart rate, uh, your, your pulse, the strength of your pulse. These outward external indicators are very accurate at predicting what you are low in. So a general rule of thumb, anyone who shows me, uh, anyone who shows me some form of 
cracked lips or sore or the skin on the lips, you bite them off now and then because they peel, you are definitely short on B vitamins. Anyone who's got low energy, low sex drive, low ability to heal, you are definitely low on zinc. Anyone who has hyperextension on their joints, like they can, hey, look, I'm double jointed. No such thing. Uh, They can really pull the joint back. That person is massively low on manganese. Show me someone who's got irregular heartbeats, tachycardia, arrhythmia. I will show you someone who's low on magnesium. If your appetite is low, I'm guaranteed that you're low on B1, B2, and B3. Your hair doesn't have much shine, check your essential fatty acids. The list goes on and on, but these have all been documented. These have all been shown to be very accurate. And here's here's the kicker, folks. When you do the change and you observe, literally observe that same area, it disappears. And then when you take it away, like if you want to do this to yourself, it comes back. There's been people that have literally, I can't believe it. And then they went off the very thing to see if it came back again. Perfect example, told you true story, guy came in with very, very bad eczema. Like we're talking where he would fall skin skin actual would be falling on his shirt as he was talking to you because it was that dry and that rampant so i i I interviewed him and i found out which in 90 percent of cases is the case he loves his sugar he wanted to hold on to it so after some strong negotiating because he was fighting me on it once again the fighting of what you're owned on uh he went off it his eczema cleared up 100 percent he kind of didn't believe it and he wanted to prove it. Now, I thought this was hmm, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a self-destructive move, but his birthday came up and he had the whole he admitted to me I had the whole chocolate cake. I don't mean a peace gun. I mean I had the whole chocolate cake. And I said, "Why did you do that? What was that about?" I just ah, I just wanted to see and I noticed it came back worse than ever before. Uh yeah, that's why you have it because sugar strips the body of this little run here b1 b2 b3 b5 b6 b12 choline inositol uh, methylcobalamin and those things are needed for skin formation so when you do when you ask the right questions in summation you will get answers make the adjustment and you notice your body will be honest your body doesn't lie so what about you know marketing takes over and says okay everybody says white sugar is uh, you know, uh, horrible for you. So we're going to come up with raw sugar. Mm-hmm. Is that an answer or is that just putting uh, putting a little bit of marketing spin on the problem? Marketing spin on the problem. Raw sugar and white sugar are not massively different. They are both going to affect you in different degrees because they, they both have that aspect to them that they hit the pancreas and then that starts a domino effect in many other body processes. A good, sum, a good summary rule is Nothing happens in an isolated way in the body. So when you have the sugar, yes, it hits the pancreas. Yes, it hits the liver. Yes, it hits the adrenal glands. Yes, it causes your body for a certain period of time not to make minerals. Yes, it inflames your gastrointestinal tract. But wait, there's more, folks. Yes, it creates an unnatural addiction. Yes, it upsets your biome, your natural biome, your good bacterium within your body. Yes, it gives you brain fog. So... That aspect is very important to see it as a pinball game where you have that type of food and it's going to ricochet off all kinds of different aspects within your body. So what can you, so if somebody that's really trying to improve uh, 
to be the six-year-old uh, presenting the signs of a 40-year-old. And they're at that stage in life where they've, they've, they've done a lot of you. They've partied, they've, they've, uh, they've, they've listened to the, uh, to the wrong foods and consumed it. What can they do now to make a change? And will they, will they be profound enough to make those sacrifices? Okay, so for those who have some moxie, some, some definite uh, uh, voltage to their passion, I'd say to, to that direction, cut back on your food. Studies overwhelmingly show about, believe it or not, 40 to 60% of what you eat, especially at breakfast, lunch, uh, breakfast and lunch, uh, but it goes up to even higher at dinner, is overeating. So if you took a really good rule of thumb and you took whatever you eat at supper, cut back one third. Whatever you eat at lunch, cut back one quarter. And whatever you eat at breakfast, keep it. Keep the breakfast. That alone, simply caloric restriction, will actually help longevity. Number two, uh, going keto. There have been, I've lost count, how many times people have went on keto? Here's a perfect example. Let's just use myself because it's the best example that I know because it's not through second person. I had allergies so bad like literally so bad i was sent home from school because the whites of my eyes were pushing past the pupil so it looked like someone actually took their thumb and pushed my pupil and countersunk it into my eyes the teacher looked at it's whoa we're sending gun home right away uh he needs a doctor at that time, no one really knew what was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. Here I am, you know, teenage kid, and I'm thinking, man, like, am I seriously sick or what? By serendipity, I went on zero carbs, which had nothing to do with that affliction. I just decided to do uh, spending all day with Arnold Schwarzenegger from whatever, eight in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon, and listening to everything he had to say. I said, that's it. That's it. I'm doing zero carbs, period. And this was. Over two decades before it was in, in fashion, my allergies completely disappeared. And then here's the cool part. I had for the next several months, and keep in mind, folks, there's no carbs coming in seven days a week, which we all know is a natural source of energy. Carbohydrates give energy. I had week after week after week of undisturbed, and by the way, I'm not even putting this to a filter because it's genuine, un bridled energy i didn't realize i was so suppressed because i was eating wheat every day i had cream of wheat cereal then i have wheat bread then my mother would make these rolled up like macaronis by hand and they were just wheat and i didn't realize i was pounding myself into uh, health oblivion so when i went on zero carbs i literally stopped the clock in terms of the damage that was being done with the inflammation and I remember people saying, oh, don't do that kind of diet. You're not going to have energy. Like, what are you talking about? You're not living inside my body. I feel great. So, so going keto, am I advising everyone to go keto? No. What I'm saying is, is taking the carbs down and virtually everyone has a little bit of carborama in their diet. They like it. It's fun. Let's face it. It's the one that causes you to chill. It causes you to relax. It causes you to seek it more often. That will definitely kill the carbs or put them down and you will literally slow down the clock dramatically. Number three, go for quality rather than quantity. You can't have excellent health with average nutrition. It just doesn't work like that. So 
buy up, afford better cuts, uh, better vegetables, go organic. You know, I like the the 80-20 rule, 80% vegetables, uh, 20% uh, protein, but with a in and out uh, of, of fruits, I wouldn't make fruits the major part of your diet. Fruits are great for you, but for for slowing down the aging process, definitely an eighty twenty or a seventy five twenty five rule is very very good for anti aging. So uh, seventy five vegetables at twenty five percent, some type of protein. Correct. Yeah, and then a float of five percent here and there. Um, because a lot of people, if they smash fruit, and you know, someone will say, "Hey, I, you know, I had uh, three apples and two bananas. Is that okay?" Oh, well, let's, let's, let's look at it mathematically. Is that okay? Two bananas, 30 grams, 60, that's 60 grams of protein. A couple apples, 60, 70, 80, not, so 100. Your body comfortably absorbs, and I got this down to a numeric, a metric, 30 to 35 grams of carbs per sitting is perfect. So when you have this, I will not name the establishment, but there's a restaurant that you go in and you have their pasta meal that they brag about saying that you got to have this meal, try to pound it back. And it's this great big, it's spaghetti meatballs. God bless the owners. They mean, well, they're trying to give a lot of people bang for the buck. But on a side note, that is an age turbocharger. Uh, it accelerates aging because it's probably about 240 grams of protein and you just, sorry, 240 grams of carbohydrates and you just know that the excess amount of cars are being turned into triglycerides. Not cool. So, so that uh, that's very very important. One other thing that I will say that's that isn't here uh, hasn't been mentioned yet. I call exercise the legal cheat. Let me tell you why I say that. Because the benefits you get from exercise are so numerous, you feel like. I'm cheating. I'm cheating aging. I'm cheating. I'm dodging the disease process. Um, it's not hitting me. Let, just, just a few of them. Better metabolism. Better sleep quality. Better sexual performance. Better circulation. Better cardiac output. More conservation of muscle mass. Like that's huge, folks. Better bone density. Better immunological reaction. I mean, that that's huge. Just with exercise alone. Better insulin management. I mean, that's huge. Manage your insulin and you will be managing the longevity of your life. I mean, that's that's why diabetic people, if they don't really watch uh, type uh, one diabetic people, if they don't really watch their blood sugar management, they're going to be a few years short of a normal lifespan simply because of the pancreatic importance on that. And then here's the big one, mental focus. When you do exercise, your acuity, your mental focus is phenomenal. I think that was what, 10 very quick, uh, benefits you get from exercising. So it's like if I came into your house, sat down with you and said, hey, I got something to say to you. You want 10 benefits that will literally kick your life and your functionality into overdrive? Yes, sign me up. What is it? Exercise. I would see on some people's faces a little bit of disappointment. Oh, shoot, that requires effort. Bummer. Yeah, wow. I was hoping you could just give me something at a pill. Folks, like we are, we are the only machine that gets better the more you use it within reason. So we're meant to move. We're meant. That's why you know the new uh, the new smoking is sitting. That's why show me someone who's sedentary, and I can without even meeting them. Nine times out of ten, they're gonna have either blood sugar management issues, a little bit higher than normal blood pressure, and some muscle wasting or sarcopenia, depending on their age. But they generally won't have a great muscle tonus, just because 
They're at a cubicle all day. There's nothing wrong with being at a cubicle as long as you put in an exercise aspect either before work or after or stretch up you know, during your break and do a few movements, just circulate a little bit. But definitely exercise is another component to anti-aging that is ginormous. How much exercise? I mean, because there's another one that people go, oh, is it is it walking? Is it everyday moving? Is it stretching? Is it weight bearing? I mean, how do you how do you put yourself on an exercise regime that you start uh, tapping into those 10 benefits? Okay, first of all, I'm going to deal with that, that answer with the minimalists. Recent study and the minimalists out there are going to minimal amount of exercise lovers are going to dig this in the biggest way. They found that when someone ran once a week, and it had to be you know between 25 and 40 minutes, so it's not short, and it, we're not talking sprints, we're just talking you know, like a, a, general, uh, a general livable pace, 25 to 40 minutes, obviously you have to work up to that. The health benefits were enormous. The longevity, the cardiac presentation reversal, meaning heart disease reversal, better blood uh, values, you know, as in, in, a, in a complete blood chemistry test, just overall health measurable parameters went up statistically significant once a week, 25 to 40 minutes. So could you do a very fast walk initially? Yes, I would, adv- I would advise that and then build up to a run, then walk and then eventually build up to a run. Yes, that's what I would advise. That's one a week, that's, that's once a week, that's for the minimalists out there. Now, those who uh, want to get more bang for the, the time they put in, more, more return on investment, I would say three times a week is your flashpoint. Meaning, if you go four and you go five, weirdly, it's the law of diminishing returns. If you go two, two is good, but three is better than two, and three is better than one. But here's the surprise, folks. It's not dramatically better. It's somewhat better. So I would say three times a week, you don't have to do the marathon stuff. It's been shown that if you exercise over 45 minutes and immediately take blood values before and after, your testosterone starts to drop. Uh, there's, sometimes there's blood sugar uh, management issues where it starts to get a little bit wonky. You can go into hypoglycemic mode depending on your dietary and genetic makeup, how you manage uh, your foods. But I would say 45 minutes is your flashpoint three times a week. And find out what you love. For some, it's biking. For some, it's kayaking. For some, it's weightlifting. For some, it's hill climbing. Uh, for some people, it's it's stationary bike. They just want to do stationary bike. For some people, it's the pool, treading water, or swimming lengths. Find out what you love. When someone comes up to you and says, this is what you should do. This is what you should exercise. Let that be like... Uh, commentary across the pan of teflon let it just slide off you water off a duck's back it doesn't matter what they say find out what you love to do and then do it and 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 do it for as i say work up to 45 minutes a day three times a week what are the uh final question i have for you because people are you know they're tuning in they're thinking about it 2020 is coming everybody does their their list and they last about you know as long as it takes to write that list what are the two or three things that if you could wave a magic wand across this society that they would do that would dramatically improve their health and even more importantly, the health of our economy because it'd be less taxing on the healthcare system. Okay, so um, I would look at very simple measurements that are actually a little bit exciting to do because you can see the the discerning uh, improvements over time. Take a tape measure for a man, measure around the waist, 
the, the, the largest circumference part of the waist and record that. And whatever it is, lose three inches. Here's why. As soon as you move uh, adiposity off the waist, you are reducing disease presentation. You're reducing that uh, visceral fat, that, uh, that, that fat that actually is not good for you. You're reducing an estrogenic presentation in a man because uh, high cortisol produces a lot of adiposity around the waist and that actually creates an estrogenic, uh, uh, as I say, appearance. Uh, definitely take three inches off your waist and give it the time limit of three months. And that's very doable. And once you get that three inches off your waist, because I don't know where you're starting from, uh, measure it again. So for those people who take the three inches off and they're still over 40 inches, because that's your flashpoint where disease starts to become exponential, 40 and up, 40 inches and up, circumference with a man, uh, then uh, come down another three. So that, that would be an unusual thing, I would say, because when you lose weight off the waist, you will improve blood sugar management, you will improve your metabolism, you will improve functionality, and you will improve uh, your, your life force because you're literally carrying around less weight at a location where it is a dead weight, but also because it makes you more functional. The trunk, when the trunk is more functional in terms of less adiposity, you end up becoming just a better version of yourself in every way. For women, now, women's a little different. They're naturally going to ride on the higher side of uh, some of the body fats than compared to a man. Whatever you are, I would say make sure as a woman that you can see a differential between the hip and the waist. So if you have a muffin top, if your waist and your hips basically blend into your rib cage and you're a female, get it to the point where when you look at yourself front on in a mirror, you can actually see an indentation come after the hip and then uh, go back up into the rib cage. And that, the reason why is because it's not just cosmetic, although it will make you look better in all the clothes you wear. <clears throat> but again, it's going to have the same benefits as it does for a man. What's the second thing I should do? So the first thing is take three inches off your waist for a man or mm -hmm. as a woman. What's, what's the next thing that I should be thinking about doing in 2020 that would go, I'm on the right path versus just writing down a Reduce list? Reduce the food that owns you and asks you to eat it virtually every day or every week and reduce it by 90%. So for, for some, it could be bread. For others, it could be wine. For a third group, it could be huge amounts of, they just love corn, can't get, can't get enough of it. Go to movies and have the largest size of popcorn. Um, and you'll know what it is because when you're doing nothing and you're about to eat soon, it goes, uh, hey, Larry, hey, Larry, come on. Come on, look at that. Look at that That nice muffin. Have the muffin. You could have two. You had a busy day today. Have have two wheat muffins. For another person, it could be, hey, Susie, you know you want that wine. It's a good one. It's Well, it's a little bit fruity, but it's a good one. Two, three glasses is not going to hurt you. So whatever calls your name, whatever owns you, reduce it by 80 to 90%. And that will be, that combined with what I said earlier, would be a, a big improvement on your health. Of course, there are like literally dozens of things you can do, but that's not the nature of this broadcast. I simply want to say two things that you can take away that will actually improve your health for 2020. So you got exercise, don't let the food own you. Is there anything else that you would say that, and the weight? So I guess those would be the three things. Oh, uh, I almost never meet anyone that uh, is eating too many vegetables. Never see it. I have people go, I don't really like them. I don't really find them interesting. 
make them interesting, prepare them in a way that are likable, include more vegetables. They're powerful, powerful antioxidant suppliers. Uh, here's an interesting thing in traditional Chinese medicine. In TCM, they look at herbs and, and substrates of tree barks and plants and mushrooms and whole foods as all part of the same healing continuum, literally. So it's not like, oh, these are healing things and these are not. In, in Chinese medicine, folks, this is thousands of years old, they see food in the identical perspective as herbs. So on that note, so eat the foods that you know to be healthy. And you really, one of the things that I get behind 100% is, again, like I maybe one person out of 20 is actually eating enough vegetables. A good rule of thumb is like this. Think uh, six baseballs and two decks of cards. Your six baseballs, small baseball, uh, is your servings of vegetables a day. It's not huge, six of those. And your two decks of cards are your protein, be it salmon, be it chicken, be it an omelet, be it steak, or be it tofu. And, and when you talk about uh, things like salmon, is that fresh salmon? Can I get that out of a can? Does it matter? Really good question. So this is a little bit of a technical answer. Anything in a can is going to be leukocytotic, which means it's going to create an increase in, uh, it's going to have a white blood cell reaction because food really shouldn't be for a long period of time in a can. And due to the fact of its presentation in the can without getting into the science, it ends up somewhat pulling you down. That's why when people are on the borderline of sickness, I tell them never have canned food because in, in, in eight times out of 10, it's going to pull you down. If something is in glass, it's totally fine. But canned food, no. Canned salmon. Okay. Farm-raised salmon. Well, they use antibiotics. And they also use feed to color some of that traditional look in a salmon. Go wild-caught in 10 out of 10 cases. Pay the extra. Go wild-caught. That's the way to go. That's where you're going to get your essential fatty acids. To the right extent, that's where you're going to get your astaxanthin. Uh, that's where you're going to get your high-quality protein. That fish was in the wild. And that dynamic interacting on that fish will give you the greatest bang for the buck for your nutrition. It's fantastic. Gun, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions. I'm Dave Trafford.